0: Friends, welcome back to the Can't Take a Joke podcast. I really appreciate you joining us. Today, we do have a pretty heavy episode. There's a lot of depth to this one. Uh, Alex is going to talk about his overdose and the gravity of the experience and how it's affected his life. So as his friend, I will ask you to listen with some respect and very carefully. There's a lot to be learned. Thank you for joining. Hope you have a great time.
1: Resurface it since we lost the content and I want people to be able to listen to it because I've, it was a really, it was a very real subject. let me a half a shot. Really yeah, of? I'll get you a half a shot. I don't know where it is. Yeah, keep going. I don't and know, by the know where way, it is. By th- uh. he,
2: he, he did something with it. And by the way, you are never overstepping boundaries. Okay. Feel free I'm pretty
1: drunk, which is the reason I want to keep going because feel, I, there's no same. way I'm driving home right now. So I want to keep, I want to keep doing what we're doing.
2: Feel free. Sorry. Feel free to ask any question that crosses okay. your mind without so, feeling awkward about
1: it. Jake's off doing his thing. It's this conversation between you and me. He'll chime in eventually. So what happened to everyone listening, what happened was we had a very deep conversation about Alex's um, pa- past life, You can say right? substance abuse. Subs- okay, substance abuse. Alex um, was so in the past in his i don't even know this is a touch i know it's a to me it's a touchy subject because i don't i don't it's touchy for you because it's it's not me there it is there there it is that's the that's the tortilla go get that all right so i'll explain it so we we had a very good oh there it goes we had a very good conversation about alex's past life then uh due to unforeseen circumstances we lost the the, the content so what happened was I was asking Alex very deep questions about his past substance abuse, um, specifically heroin, because it caused a bunch of um, unforeseen, I guess, scenarios that that did not did not help the people that told me about it. So then I asked you questions about that. So. We'll we'll take it from the start, from what I can remember, because I want to I want to want to talk about it again. I want to resurface since you're very open about it. I want to put it out there so people who may be suffering from the same issues can listen to it. Absolutely. And it's also just a very very intriguing topic. I was completely engaged in that conversation. So I think what started that conversation was. Um, how, where do you want to start?
2: Anywhere. Just ask me a question about it. I don't know,
1: because I think what brought it up was it caused what we were talking about something, and then it brought up the fact that when the cops came looking for you, mm. it caused other
2: parties a disturbance within the rest of my family. Yeah,
1: it caused a disturbance within the rest of the family. So, which which um, okay, I'll okay, I'll, I'll start. From you the, start wherever you want to start. I'll start. I, I want to get what we talked about out there again.
2: So when I was like 16 or 17, uh, I started using heroin. And from then on, it was a, I never, I don't want to say I was addicted because that's kind of, I feel like that's an insult to those who are strongly addicted, but I had an off again, on again relationship with heroin and a bunch of other substances. I was never sober. Never went a day without being sober. You know, whether it was alcohol. So you were using something every day. Every day. Whether okay. it was pills, whether it was alcohol, whether it was both of those things, whether it was cocaine, whether it was crack, whether it was heroin. And I was all, you know, every day. And it slowly started to build until one day, um, I, uh, one, um, And so I started... uh, I'm going to say it again. I started at 17. When I was 23, in October, I overdosed. Uh, And I believe to We'll get to that story. That's fine, yeah. But, yeah. But, so, uh, I kind of... I was never sober. And you never really would have noticed it because I was still the same exact person as you would see today. I just happened to use drugs. I was that, you know... Two percent of the population who was a regular user, who hit it very well, I was still an outgoing, happy-go-lucky person. had a regular, had a steady job, and was able to keep that job for a very long time. Uh, I never didn't have a job. I was always employed. Uh, You know, people, no one would have ever guessed that I used these drugs, and that's what I actually wanted to say earlier. Is I, I mentioned this in our teaser. I'm sorry, real quick. You're fine. Jake, please, for the love of Christ, can you do me a huge favor? Can you
1: please just fill this up with water while he talks? Thank you so much. Continue.
2: I said this in the teaser where uh, I believe that the D.A.R.E. program should change completely because we never would have even realized about... Most fifth graders wouldn't even have realized about these drugs in the first place. And I think that... When you do drug education, you should teach people how to handle other people who are on drugs as opposed to telling them to avoid them at all costs or they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And this goes for all drugs. Use, teach people how to use drugs in a healthy way and how to handle those who are using substances in an unhealthy way. How to treat those people. Because there are drugs out there that are not bad for you where you're not going to die the second you Thank use you. them. And there are drugs out there that will kill you the first time you use them. You know?
0: Like, with abuse.
2: With abuse, yes. That's what I mean. Because uh, when, you know, drugs like acid and shrooms and molly, those can be used in a scientific way to find yourself. In a philosophical way. And you can use those drugs to find yourself and have a good time. I will admit to that. But what I think um, D.A.R.E. should do is teach people how to recognize substance abuse and recognize addiction. And when your friend or your family member is going through addiction, how to handle talking to them or dealing with them.
0: First off, there should be a high school or college class.
2: Yeah, there absolutely should. You're completely right because it's inevitable. People using these drugs is inevitable. No one's, it's very rare, you know, uh, uh, of course I do forget a lot of the time that people are not me. A majority of people, 90% of people out there have never tried heroin, have never even thought about using heroin. It's never crossed their mind. And keep, keep in mind, I grew, I had a very good life. I was raised by a perfect mom. I grew up in a household where you could be your 100% self, and you would all, we would always be there for each other. But that's kind of the point, is that I never felt insecure, I never felt unhappy. Of course, obviously everyone feels depressed when they're in their late teens, and when they're in their early 20s, and even now I still get depressed. But I never felt like I couldn't go to anybody. So the reason I use drugs, I think I really just used it as a source of minor escapism. And I really just enjoyed partying, and even you know, go ahead. So
0: sorry, just to ask you a question, um, because I mean, you have your past with drugs. I don't know how you feel about it in hindsight. With mine, I'm like I, I'm not excited that it happens, but I am content that it happened. I'm happy that it's my life. Um, what I'm asking is. Not that you not that anything was wrong or that you're unhappy with your life. I don't know how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what point because dare targets a really young demographic. Mm-hmm. and I understand why schools and police officers would see the psychological need to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that at the, that late in the age because you teach dare in around fifth grade. I think that's too old to be to have the attention of a child, so um, yeah. I was talking about raising the dare age, but when do you think along your path, again, not that, what do you think, whether it was fifth grade or high school or college age, when do you think you were the most impressionable in one way or the other?
2: Probably later high school. Because I was actually, uh, in comparison, I was a late bloomer compared to a lot of people. I know a lot of people started smoking weed at, you know, 8th grade, ninth grade. No, nah, I didn't start smoking weed until... Yeah. Like, some people start early. I didn't start smoking weed till 10th grade. That's only, when I
1: started smoking.
2: Yeah. The only thing with me is that a month after... Some people just smoke weed and drink, and they're happy, and they're good. And they enjoy that part of their life. The thing is, though, I never had... My social group, we didn't tell each other no. We didn't have boundaries. So when I started smoking weed and drinking, literally a month after I started smoking weed and drinking, I had already done Percocet, Dilaudid. uh, Dilaudid? Dilaudid. It's Dilaudid? Mm
1: -hmm. I thought it was
2: Dilaudid. No, Dilaudid. My dad was lying. Your dad lied to you. But a a month after I started smoking weed... I already did Percocet, Dilaudid, I did uh, uh, Vicodin, I was already abusing Adderall, and then that's what led me to get severely addicted to Adderall. And this was a month. It's because I hung out with a bunch of people who didn't tell me no, stop, and were worried about my safety. Uh, And by, by no means am I saying I'm a fucking victim, because I made all of my own choices. All of my own choices. But within a month, I just ramped up and did all these things. A year after I had smoked weed for the first time, I was already doing heroin. You know, nine months in, I was like doing uh, Opana. Now,
1: let me rewind real quick. Would you say... You know how there's the stipulation behind weed that it's a gateway drug. Would you say that weed got you to that point, and no. you wanted something stronger, or you just wanted to try
2: something? I would not say get weed is a gateway drug because weed was never my choice. I think I've only smoked weed for uh, in in my life. I've only po- I can probably smoke how many times I smoked weed if I had three hands. So like maybe a handful of times. Weed was never my choice. I preferred opiates. I preferred pills, and then when I started doing heroin, and then once I found Adderall, I learned I loved speed. I loved to feel like I was moving a thousand miles an hour. But I didn't take Adderall because I needed speed, it. What cocaine? Speed is in like Adderall. Okay. Uh, Vyvanse. I thought um, speed
1: was like a mixture of cocaine and heroin.
2: Speed is any drug that makes. I thought you, that was
1: what speed meant.
2: No, speed is any drug that makes you feel like you're Get going, you going fast. Okay. A downer is any drug that makes you feel like going slow. Like alcohol is a downer, weed is a downer, heroin is a downer. Speed, is weed is a, is Adderall, cocaine, crack. Yes, go ahead. So
0: again, I know we talk about Dare in fifth grade, but before, okay. So going and smoking weed is one thing. That there's a fine line, I think, between weed and heroin for a lot of absolutely for a lot of users. Did you have the Prerequisite in your mind that about that fine line. Did I'm, you know that yeah. you were crossing a territory?
2: Yeah, and in fact, I felt like shit.
0: Uh, what no can, one. What, can, what pushed you?
2: Um, peer pressure and the idea of wanting more. Because even when I smoked weed for the first time, in the sense of a high. Yes. When I smoked weed for the first time, I felt like shit. Cause I was like, damn, this is illegal. You're going against what everyone said. This is bad for you. You can't do this. And nothing. And I felt fine. Yeah. Now, actually, I do.
1: I feel the need to put it. So you got. You have. What? Well, you're 26, right? Yes. Okay. So you have five years on me and Jake, which means that is a five year difference. Coming towards um, the tolerance of weed, which what we see it as now today, which is it's 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 going to be legal, like that was nowhere year.
2: that was nowhere in sight.
1: Yeah, when I was yeah, especially age. where we where we live. That is that
2: wasn't a fucking Cause I was, thing. So
1: I just I felt the need to put that out there. Very true.
2: Yes. While Since you a, were growing
1: up, when you were in that mindset, when I
2: was growing up, weed was still the devil's lettuce. Yes, because I Dude, when this, I first smoked, started smoking weed was ten years ago. Which yeah. there was still a stigma around we completely where it was the devil's lettuce and it's evil, it's the worst thing ever. If you take one hit of marijuana, you'll die. That was still the stigma when I was in high school. Dude, so it was terrifying. That's what got that's what got I thought it was super funky because I got
0: picked up for smoking in my dorm room at college and I went through the whole court process for like a year and a half, and then the governor decriminalized it, mm-hmm. and then it, it was just like it never
1: happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Just like wow.
1: Yeah, he was tripping about it. I remember.
2: Yeah, it's 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 scary and it's real and uh, so. It's just a flip of the switch, though. Yeah, and right. so Sorry, like. Sorry, go back to what you're saying. No, you're you're totally fine. And um, I knew I was doing something wrong the entire time. I wasn't one of those people that was just blindly not, you know, just became so self-absorbed or so blind in the illegal shit they're doing or what they're stooping to. I felt like shit every time I did it. I felt like shit every time you I... Smoked s- weed? Or just... Not like- weed, because it wasn't my choice. I didn't do it that often. But Okay, I- so
1: let me back up. Why was it not your choice? you said that three times now. Why was it not your
2: choice? Mm. Uh, weed actually made me until... I don't believe weed is fun until you've developed a strong tolerance for it. Because okay. for me, that's fair. That's how I feel. It makes me overly anxious. Yeah. It makes me stress out about the simplest things, such as how I'm sitting, how I'm being, how I'm looking. And, like, if I were to smoke weed with you two right now, I would appear okay. No, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to record this. That's fine. No, neither would that's I. That's how I would feel. I would be like, Am I sitting okay? How that's why they, I don't they, smoke anymore. I'd be like, Are they looking at me? They're looking at you, dude. You got to look this way. Look this way. Like, sit this way. Sit this way. No, your back hurts. Why? Are you, why does your back hurt? What the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking retard. What the fuck? You know and I'll, That's how I feel. And I'll get stuck in this vortex of, of of negative thoughts, and I immediately will just get up and walk away and go to bed. No, that was not. My, I don't like being oh, head high, and like that. When I found pills, it create in Adderall, and cocaine, it created a body high. And I realized that's what I loved. I loved the my body m- and moving a mile a second, and feeling like i like on Adderall. Your body is moving a mile a second, and I wasn't prescribed to Adderall, but I started out with twenty milligrams. Within a month or so, I was taking like two hundred milligrams a day. Jeez. And I was like speeding through the hallways and running much. in a mud. I mo- did like
0: 75 almost. Nah, I at kept most. them. Dude, I want 20 milligrams.
2: I kept them in a PEZ dispenser in my back pocket. Yeah. And I'd be in the middle of class and boom, 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 pop six. Pop, pop up. Instead of a PEZ, it'd be an Adderall. It, yeah. And I'd pop like 360, like 330 milligrams in like five seconds. And I'd be sitting there jittering and shaking a whole row of desks and all of a sudden out of nowhere I'd just speed out of the room and run around the entire school. <laughs> and then just going crazy and come back in and all of a sudden start teaching the class in front of the teacher. I'd be like, oh my god, I get it everybody. And I'd start, like, that Charlie Day meme where he's, like, explaining things in front of the <laughs> char- That was me. But because I knew it was happening in school. And then I would teach the class and speed out of the room. And run away. People probably thought I was psychotic in high school, but, you know, so I was doing all that, and then I found, uh, Coke, which made me feel like I was on top of the world because it was a body high, not a mind high, and, and I really, I've always loved drinking.
1: Now, I'm gonna touch on that for a second. Yeah.
2: So, mom and
1: dad, if you're listening, I've done Coke before, go fuck yourselves.
2: By the way, mom and dad, I'm so sorry. I know I talk about this a lot, but I only talk about this because I'm very proud of myself because I've overcome my hardships and I'm not that person anymore. Yes,
1: and we're proud of you too, which is why I'm comfortable asking you these very deep questions, which I said before we even got into this topic, tell me if I'm overstepping boundaries. mm -hmm. Even before we talked about it the first time, tell me. If I'm overstepping boundaries, I'll drop the subject and I'll bring it to something else. I'm good. Now, as for what you just said, which what what I just said, my family, aside from maybe my brother, because I tell that man, I tell him everything. Mm. I've done. Is it bad to say that? Can people can people charge us if I say that? I haven't done cocaine. You can say that. Twice, twice.
2: And, honestly... You can't get charged with admission of uh, that you have done a substance. It's all good. I don't give a fuck. You can only get charged with possession. Okay. Um,
1: It's not that big of a deal. I'll take it with you. I got mine right here. But it's not that big of a deal. Now... You compared. I think you compared it to Adderall. I compare it to Adderall because people compare it to Adderall. It's not the same. Adderall. It's like like fifteen minutes because when you ingest Adderall, it's different. You're 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 like going for like six hours straight, and it tapers off.
2: Adderall is actually more uh, equivalent to meth. Meth. That's because Adderall is meth. Yeah.
1: On the Adderall pill, it literally says "M" amphetamine.
2: It's methamphetamine.
1: Yes, it is It is a prescribed version of methamphetamine. The methamphetamine you get on the streets is someone that someone cooked in a fucking trailer.
2: Yeah, cocaine is a different speed. It's, yeah, a different, it, uh, it's 15
1: upward. It's fifteen minutes, and then you're just like, what the fuck, I need more. But that's you can that's pound the it. issue with it. You can pound Yo, you can alcohol pound it. like it's nothing. No, nah, I mean, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm open about everything, and my family, I know they're going to listen to this eventually. I've done it, Twice I, I took it, it really? and when I say twice I mean like two lines like one line each and actually the first time it was just a bump that one of my friends gave me because I just wanted to see what it was like now with my heart issues I won't do it I refuse to do it now That's smart I didn't have so with my heart issues I this was like a year and a half after the fact that I took that first bump and then eventually I took another line because I convinced myself that it was whatever then I got the heart issues again. So I will never do it again because of that. But I will also never do it again because it's it's just not worth it. Um, that specifically, the first time I did it, I knew I was driving to a college. I knew it was in my car. I was freaking out the whole time. I was driving the speed limit. I was not breaking any laws because I didn't want to risk getting caught with it. And You had it on you? Yeah. I didn't think I was going to do it when I had it. But one of my buddies had it on him, and he was at least respectful enough to tell me that he had it, and he was like, if you don't, I'll put it back in my house, and we can go, I was like, it's all, it's all, no, no, no. it's all good, Um you, you, I didn't care, but I was driving, the, and it just, it caused a bunch of stress, and eventually, um you know, I took a little, and it was cool, it was cool that night, I actually, okay, now that I'm talking about it, I took a lot more of a bump. I took a couple bombs um throughout the night. And Whatever. it got to the point that night that I was like, yo, let's Is go. It, are you talking about me? No, not you. No, not you, not you at all. I'm not gonna name drop. But it got to the point where I was looking at him and I was like, yo, when do you want to do another bomb? And he looked at me, he said, Bro, chill out. And I was like, That's Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: I was like, That's wow. That's how it starts. Yeah. <clears throat> it got to the point where I would do that so much, where I would just hit my dealer up constantly. My own dealer, my brother, my sister, and my cousin, and my sister's boyfriend all told me to chill. My dealer, my Coke dealer, told me to chill out of all people. Because I would be like, dude, you good? You good? And he'd sell me like $100 worth a day later. You good? Another hundred dollars worth. You good? You like, good oh. as
1: in asking if you're legitimately good?
2: Like no. Or you're asking I, him? I'm do texting you have him. Some? Do you have some? Okay. I'd buy a hundred dollars worth. Do it all in a night. Next day, buy another hundred dollars worth. Do it all in a night. Mm. Next day. I see. And while doing this, pounding a handle of alcohol at night, and then waking up and going to work, I would get. I would get my coke. Get my handle. Chill with my friend at the time, and we would just dis- we would wreck both. We would buy like we would spend like a hundred dollars worth of coke, and destroy two handles of alcohol, okay. till 5 a.m. Nap for 30 minutes, wake up, go to work, do it again, and I did that all the time till my dealer finally told me like, yo, you need to calm down. And i be like, don't tell me to fucking calm down. You calm down. Don't know what to do. You're my dealer. Do your fucking job. And he'd be like, "Dude, I'm not selling it to you, anymore. I'm not going to sell you your death." And I'm be like, because wow. it we'll come back on him." And then, and then I'm mad at him for not, for basically caring about my life. And then when I couldn't find that, I would do anything else. I'd be like, "All right, who's good for heroin? Okay, who's good for..." So is
1: that the reason you got into heroin? What? Because you couldn't find enough cocaine. No, I did all that. It was all. So what actually got you? So actually, we didn't touch on this, Mm -hmm. and and when we lost that content, what actually got you into it? Who actually? No, don't answer that. But what 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 got you into it? You know, I really don't know. You just tried it one time. It started chasing
2: the green dragon. After that, it started out with pills. It started out with pills, and then from pills, it went to you know you, you know you're just snorting oxy. Next minute, you're snorting. Perk thirties. Next minute, you're you're snorting dilaudid, <clears throat> and then a couple conversations go by with your friends, and you're like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll shoot it. And then you shoot up dilaudid. You that shoot a, up dilaudid. That was the first thing I ever, did Yeah, that was the okay. first thing I ever shot up. Was dilaudid injected? Yes. Okay. Was d- injected. And what
1: what is So what's the difference between actually inject like a prescribed version in the hospital versus when you actually put it in your veins?
2: Mm, When you shoot up, the come up is stronger. The come up is after you, is when you inject it, you know, you inject it in your vein. I'm putting out PSA. Do not repeat this. This is an anti-drug podcast right now. I'm speaking from experience and I do not want anyone to repeat these events just take at it. all please do not
1: just take it go
2: this is not a how to this is how to avoid and what you should not fucking do I like that so first time I ever shot up my friend uh, he helped me out because I didn't know how at the time and it was a diluted. and uh, you tie up your arm and you put the needle in your arm and you inject it and the second that comes, you pull the needle out. You untie the belt around your arm, and you lift your arm up, and let it sp- you know let the drug spread throughout your blood flow. Now
1: we touched on this last time, but explain again why do you lift your arm up?
2: So what happens is when your arm is laying down, you have the belt around your arm to restrict your arm, so your veins w- pop okay, out. Okay,
1: so so you have the belt around your arm. Yeah, yeah I'm ex- I'm asking for people who don't know. Okay. You had the belt. Or- why do you have that belt around your arm?
2: To uh, to cut off circulation to allow your veins to pop. Okay. And uh, you undo the belt and you lift your arm up so the drug can uh, basically release throughout your bloodstream and reach your heart. And then, and then and your heart will start pumping it. And your heart will start pumping it throughout the rest of your body. So I did that and it was dilated, which is a lot strong, a lot less intense than heroin. And I shot that up and it was amazing. Keep in mind, I only shot up a quarter of a pill. A quarter of a pill. Right? How do
1: you... Okay, so now i got to back up again. How do you shoot up a pill? Do you crush it up? You crush it up. You, well, you mix it with water?
2: No. No. Oh, kill it, dude. No. So, I mean, you can. But, like, you crush it up. You put the debris in the spoon. I don't want to tell people how to shoot up drugs. Don't do it. But you put the... You know, you put it in a spoon. You let it soak. Uh, you cook it. You melt it, and you put a cotton ball in. I'm a little drunk right now, so it's a little scattered. I watch Breaking Bad. I understand the cotton ball. Exactly. You put the cotton ball, and then you inject. You put the needle into the cotton ball, and the, then you
1: let it soak it is up. It, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it too descriptive if I explain the cotton ball? You can explain the cotton ball. I don't care. To correct me if I'm wrong, the cotton ball is everything comes through the cotton ball. So you put the the syringe in the cotton ball, you suck through the cotton ball.
2: Yeah, and it sucks. Yeah, it soaks it up.
1: Please don't do drugs, everyone.
2: Mm -mm. Do not do drugs. So, yeah, then you soak it up, and then you put that into your arm. And honestly, I can't even imagine the idea of putting a needle in my arm today. No, I'm so happy for you for that. That's insane. That's terrifying to me now. Like, I, I was a different... Completely different person who would bear to do that. So I did that, and I felt once I shot that dilaudid, I felt the best I'd ever felt so far. I was like, whoa! I shot up a quarter of a pill, and I feel this great when usually I snort a pill, like a whole pill, and don't even feel this good. I was like, I'm on top. I'm on cloud nine right now. I'm feeling amazing because pills are expensive. That's why a lot of people go from pills to using heroin because it's cheaper. It's less it's less drugs. It's basically a better high for, for cheaper money. Mm-hmm. And slowly, I can't remember what happened, but I went from shooting that up to snorting heroin to shooting up heroin. I only shot up a couple of times heroin because the idea of, shooting up hair when I'm like, yo, I could die at any minute. That's yeah. a little too scary. But you know, you're not thinking about that when you're a drug user. You're just Pick thinking some about
0: balls your though, for sure.
2: A little bit, yeah. You just think about your next high. Um and then you kinda just get you, you know, before I overdosed, you can yeah, you, know, you think that you're a master at using these drugs. You think that you can just look at it and be like, that's this much. Because I got to that point where I thought I was that person. You look at a handful of powder and you're like, "That's a twenty bag, that's a forty bag." You know what? I could push a sixty bag all tonight. I can do that. And then you get to the point where you're like buying a hundred dollars worth, and you're like, "All right, if I do, you're like, I can make this last for four hours. If I space out this much, you can handle this much, and you won't nothing bad will happen." The issue when I overdosed was the fact that it was fentanyl. And that's what's killing people nowadays is because fentanyl is like a hundred times stronger than heroin. They say that like dust from fentanyl is equivalent to an entire like glass vial worth of heroin. And what dealers do is they just take a pile of fentanyl and a pile of heroin and they combine it. And they just sell it because then they can just make that much more money because it's stronger because your heroin user is going to go, oh, it's good shit. It's totally worth X amount of money for this much, not knowing it's fentanyl, so then that gets pushed. And I did it because I'll, I'll make a joke about it to a lot of people. But if I had done the amount I did and it was just heroin, I would have been fine. The night I overdosed,
1: I would fine. If, if you don't, if you don't mind, I'm gonna say this. if we're gonna we're gonna touch on that. Yeah. again right that's so fine. for the people that are listening he's explaining a lot of things we talked about in the past and we will touch on that but we're gonna we're gonna go through this conversation that we're having right now right
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you don't mind okay. going through that again what part the the OD part
2: no because that's we.
1: a that's a big backstory.
2: let's take a shot you wanna take a shot yeah you a shot?
1: take your shot you good Jake you've been quiet I'm good I
2: think he's just listening No. Uh, yeah.
1: oh. you don't want good, sh- you don't man. want yours I'll take it let's go cheers Mm.
2: Mm. so uh, yeah at, at 23 years old I overdosed on fentanyl to say (laughs) so i overdosed uh i hadn't at the time okay so
1: i'll tell you what we'll we'll walk into we'll walk into that story based on how we talked about it last time which was the backstory to how i found out
2: okay yeah go for
1: it so the when was this like 2000 2018 it was uh yeah it was 2018 but actually if you want to pause really quick because i gotta pee that's, well, no, I can explain it while you Ex- go pee. Explain it. You want to do that? It'd be cool. You, still guys going? Can, you guys can talk about it. No, I'll do it. So, okay. So, again, this we're going to talk about it again because this was content that we lost in the past. So, basically, um, I've known Alex for quite some time now. Um, I What?
0: Again, because if we want to keep going. I, really, I think we should cut it here.
1: No, no, no I want to keep going. I want to finish the story. We'll cut it after he's done talking about it. We can't just cut this in the middle of the story.
0: That's why I'm saying we can add on. I don't like.
1: No, we're not gonna do something. Just let's let's just finish the story, then then we'll cut it. Are you tired?
0: It's not. The, it's one. Yeah, I am tired. But two. Again, like I was saying earlier, dude, this is like a, a huge. Fucking story for Alex, and I want him to be like.
1: That's why we got to keep going, Completely man. straight to talk about. No, he's state. he's straight to talk about. It. That's why we got to keep going. Okay, are you good? Yeah. Okay, well, let's just keep going. We're gonna keep it. Doing- we're not even cut any to everyone listening. We're not gonna cut this out. Let's not cut this out. This is great stuff. Alex has been completely. He's been completely open about it. The first time, he's completely open about it. The second time, so we're gonna get through this story. We'll call it. That'll be our episode. So, what I was talking about was. Um, the reason I know, so back in the past, Alex, um, basically OD'd on heroin. And, um, the reason I knew about it long before I knew Alex was because, um, it, it don't do that. It's bouncing in the mic, Jake. Um, the reason I knew about it was because I found out about it through other parties who were affiliated with Alex, his family members, who I was friends with before I actually knew Alex with the way I do now. Um, they told me the story which caused other things to happen, which I'm not going to go into detail, but it caused other things to happen, and then I asked them why these things happened, and they basically explained the backstory, and which I believe Alex is going to go into, which I'm positive he's comfortable with. Um, so yeah, that happened, caused other things to happen. I knew about it. I didn't, I knew about it. Alex didn't know I knew about it until I actually brought it up a couple of weeks ago. And then we talked about it and then he got into it. So basically what we're going to start at is the, so what I was saying was while you were in the restroom is, um, other parties told me about what happened, which we talked about and it caused It caused bad things for those parties to happen, and you you know what I'm talking about. You you take you pick it up, you pick it up. So it caused uh, it caused bad things for those happens for those parties to happen, and then and then um you explained what happened that that caused that to happen. I got
0: I got a headache listening to that shit. Tell your perspective after he tells his. Okay,
1: go ahead. Do you wanna pop in? Yeah, man. This is your dude, oh, okay. I don't
0: have a. This pre- is I don't know, I, I, I You can ask this. questions if you want to. No, I, I understood, but again, mm-hmm. I heard about this from you off the bat. That's right. Yeah. So I don't have like a, pr- a previous perspective to this.
2: So, it was actually in October of twenty seventeen, and uh, I. W- okay, so like to set the scene, sister didn't. My sister didn't feel good. Lauren Burke. Actually, I don't know what <laughs> your name's over. <Dopper. laughs> yeah, beep that. It's out. all good, man. No. Your yeah. last name's in it. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. So you know, my sister wasn't feeling too good. My mom actually left to go to a wedding in Pennsylvania, and the girl who I was dating in quotes was over, and I was actually talking to her about how much I wanted to stop doing drugs, and I kind of hated myself for doing drugs. This was like a regular occurrence leading up to my overdose too. Like I would, uh, I don't want to get too sappy, but I'd be driving home from work and I would like listen to a certain song and I would break down and cry and like just think to myself, like you're not like you're a piece of shit, but I'd be like, why can't you stop? Why can't you stop doing drugs? Stop doing drugs. Make something of yourself. But then I would go home and go right back to doing it. And then the next day, it would happen again. I'd be like, dude, stop fucking doing drugs, you piece of shit. Stop. And it went on and on. till So the night, it was in October. My sister went to bed early. She was supposed to go out. and But she wasn't feeling good, so she stayed home. My mom was supposed to go to a wedding in Pennsylvania. And she had a wedding in Pennsylvania, and she had just left. A friend of mine came over he brought the, he brought he brought it it was not his fault I will n- I'm the only one to blame for this because I gave him money beforehand my girlfriend had left or the girl I was dating or dating in quotes had left and then he came over and I was like fuck yeah let's do it no one's around it's gonna be just like any other time so uh,
0: how how difficult was it for him to get
2: It was easy as shit. This was back in the day when heroin was easier to accomplish than weed. What people don't understand, especially nowadays, is that weed used to be, there would be dry spells every couple months from weed, which is why friends... I remember that. Yeah, there'd be dry spells and you couldn't get it anywhere and no one would be good. And you're like, all right, well, let's go back to heroin. It's right down the block. It's cheaper. So... Well, and... Before you continue, back to
0: what you said earlier about how, although you would be beating yourself down, almost self-loathing about your drug use, you would still go back to it. How do you think that physical high balances with your metaphysical needs, what you're telling yourself you need to be doing versus how your body reacts to the, the loss of that substance
2: what I think now is that I know everybody is different but I didn't give myself a chance and I nor did I did did I try I didn't I never really tried in a self-respect aspect yeah I never tried to be sober I never yeah I tried sometimes but it was because I was out of money and I was doing it for the wrong reasons I never tried to be sober for the right reasons I never tried to quit as hard as I'm trying now for the last three years. I never invested myself in any hobbies. I never invested myself in being better than I am the day prior. No, all I did, what I did, was victimize myself. What I did was just feel pity for myself and do nothing. I just complained and made nothing to make things better. That's the worst thing anyone can do. I've been there, man. That's all I did. I just complained. Yeah, I just complained and and did nothing to make things better. So, and that's unhealthy as shit. That's That's the worst thing you can do as a person. All I did was just be like, oh, I'm so victimized. My life is so hard. In quotes. And then do it again. You know, that's not trying. Trying is not doing it. And then investing yourself in other things where you can do better and be a better person. And the next day it goes by and instead of judging yourself you basically you you just try to be better are you better than you were the day before yes good if no don't judge yourself figure out why yeah. what did you do wrong why don't you why do you hold yourself to these standards that's responsibility that's responsibility and that's that's holding yourself accountable and i didn't do that at the time Yeah, because I was under the influence of a lot of substances, but at the same time, I was also 20-something years old. And what 22-year-old is able to take a step back and look at yourself as a third party and be like, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? How can you do better? Don't be hard on yourself, but try your best and find an equal ground, which I feel like the last couple years, I've been able to do a lot better. Um, so, but anyway, like, uh, so my friend came over, no one was home, I figured it would be like any other night. It was like, fuck it. I was already drinking beforehand. And I snorted it. And then I smoked it also. And my friend walked away. And I was standing there in the kitchen. I remember this. And usually when you do heroin, you reach a peak. And you hit a cap. You're like, all right, cool. This is the highest I'll ever be right now. I didn't hit a cap. I kept going. And I felt like I was like lifting away in, in, in some way. I was just kind of like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I was just. I can
0: imagine what you mean right now, and it's super
2: trippy. Yeah. I was mentally lifting away, and I was just felt really uncomfortable. My first thought was like, all right, go smoke a cigarette, you'll feel better. Because back then I smoked cigarettes. So I went outside. I need to smoke
0: right
2: now, is- Do if it. You could, I'm here yeah. with you. Go so ahead. I sat outside on my stoop. I smoked a cigarette. I started smoking. I stood up. And all of a sudden like I blinked. It's as if I blinked. And all of a sudden I was in the middle of my yard. And I was like, oh shit. And then I blinked again. I was in the middle of my street which are like all of these are like 10, 20 feet away from each other and I felt like I was as if I was blinking and I was moving 10 feet. So when I hit the point where I blinked and I was in the middle of the street I was like, okay, you're fucked up. This is not okay. I flicked my cigarette, I blinked again. I was in my I was back in my yard 10 feet away and I was like, oh shit. I blinked again. I was at my front door. And I was like, okay, dude, you're, this is, and, and in the back of my head, I was like, this is bad. This is really bad. No, you're good. Keep going. i was checking. So, and the last thing I remember, I turn the doorknob, I pull out my phone to play music, and I take one step inside. That's all I remember. Apparently, I had made it into the house, already played a song, uh, and I sat on the couch and my sister was still trying to sleep. My sister heard like coughing, like almost like gagging. And she thought it was the dog. And after 20 minutes of hearing this, I guess, she realized that she was like, I better go check on the dog. She goes downstairs. She realized it's my friend who came over. And he's on his back. And he's like coughing and, and gagging and choking on his throw up. So she's like, oh shit, I heard this from Alex. Turn him on his side. Turn him on his side. Because I would always tell her, if anyone is ever like in the middle of an overdose, do this. Because I had done this five times prior to my friends. So she turns him on his side. She's running through the house, look, screaming my name, looking for me. She yells at the front door, yells at the back door. All of a sudden she sees me. And I'm on the couch and i'm just like my arms are by my side and i'm just laying there and i'm like not moving so she's like oh so she freaks out goes out to me checks checks me for track marks track marks are where are basically like what the marks that the needle leaves after you you know release them and she sees no track marks so she's calling my mom, freaking out, being like, "Oh my god, I don't know what's happening to Alex. I don't know if it's drugs. I don't know what's happening." So then she sees powder in the kitchen on a laptop, and she's like, "Okay, this is it." So then she calls nine one one. She freaks out. You know, she's she's telling them, she's like, "Hey, she's like, I got two people overdosing my house right now. Like, this white, I found white powder on a on a laptop in my in my kitchen." One of them isn't breathing, which is me. I'm blue. I'm blue on the couch sitting, like my my skin and my lips are blue. And she's like, one of them is blue, one of them isn't, the other one isn't breathing and he's profusely vomiting and throwing up. He's not breathing anymore. So, you know, and the next thing I know, apparently she called our neighbors to come over and they come over and they're uppercutting my chest, like my sternum, like full force punching me in the sternum upwards to trying to get me to breathe yeah breath. trying to get me two of them are cops and they're trying to get me to breathe and trying to get me to to move or do anything and I'm not moving or doing anything I'm not even groaning I'm not moving they said by the time that was 15 minutes later they said by the time I got, they got to me I was gray and these are just our neighbors my skin was gray I look like an Area 51 alien so then, Then the uh, ambulance gets there, and I shit you not, a flood of ambulances and cop cars and all this other shit flood my entire, like, they flood my entire street. So they barge in, and this is when I come to, I come to with four or five EMTs hovering over me, holding me down, trying to shove an RV, an IV- IV, sorry, an IV into my arm.
0: That's that was their first response was an IV.
2: Yeah. Well it was to resuscitate, but then I wasn't I wasn't responding. Mm. So then I woke up to, to them all holding my arms down like this and then holding my face down and my legs trying to get me a sit still. And I heard my mom's voice in the background. And I swear to God, like it, it kick started something in my mind, like for For me to wake up because all I heard was my mom go, Alex, wake the fuck up. They're trying to save you. I heard that in the background and I came to, and my immediate thought was to fight him off. I don't remember this, but I immediately started like swinging my arms and legs and trying to move around. And all I heard was, he's awake, he's awake. They all hold down on my body. I hear my mom in the background. It's almost like a, a faint. When you come out of a lucid dream, and it doesn't feel real, but then it comes to. You know when, like, in Saving Private Ryan, where it's like a weird siren going, like, ee- going off, it's like a bomb going off, that's what it felt like, and then out of nowhere, boom, all the sound comes back, it was like that. So I was laying there, and I just hear, ee- and I hear my mom in the distance go, Alex, sit still, they're saving you. And I just went limp at that moment. And I was like, okay, you're right. You know, Jesus or mom, take the wheel. <laughs> so they, uh, at that point they said, he's awake, he's awake. They jammed the, uh, the IV into my arm. At that point I flew forward because I had no motor control and I started profusely vomiting. They grabbed a bowl from the kitchen table. I started throwing up a lot. And then they threw me back down and then they put me on a gurney, and like I couldn't sit still, and I was like bobbing and weaving all over the place. And then, uh, and you know, they pushed me out of the hu- they pushed me out of the house, they put me on an ambulance, and next thing I know I'm in an ambulance, and first thing I say is, what's happening? And the, the EMT tells me like, don't worry, but the- calm down, calm down. And I'm freaking out, I'm like, am, am, I, am I alive? Am I okay? And they're like, lean back, lean back. And I go, is my friend alive? And they go, don't worry about that right now. And immediately I just fly back. And my first thought is, great, my friend is fucking dead. Cause that's my thought. First thought I had when I came to was, I'm caught. It wasn't, oh, good, I'm alive. It was, I'm caught and everybody knows. I'm mm. probably going to prison. That was my thought. So when the EMT is trying to tell me to be quiet, uh, I'm like, is my friend alive? And they're like, no, don't worry about that. I just laid there in defeat and was like, great, my friend's dead. Luckily, he's not. He's alive. He's fine. They wheeled me to the hospital.
0: What? Sorry. Yeah. When
2: you had asked them if he was alive or not, was he stable? I didn't know. Because we went in separate ambulances. I found out afterwards he was stable.
1: Do
0: you think they should tell you or not? In hindsight, uh, legally
1: they have no right to say that. Legally they yeah they don't. That's his business. It's not Alex's business.
2: And at the same time, I was I was so fucked up. I probably couldn't comprehend. My yeah. mind went. You know, if they were like he's he's stable. He's he's okay. I probably wouldn't yeah. be able to comprehend. Yeah. That. I
1: mean, like side note. When I was in the hospital for my heart shit, they asked me. Permission to tell my parents what was happening to me because I had just turned eighteen. They legally yeah. have no right to say anything other anything that's happening other than what's happening to Alex.
2: Yeah, if my mom, if I didn't live in my mom's house at the time, she, they probably would have asked me to tell her. But I was in. Her I was, she was there. So they wheel me to the hospital. They wheel me into a room. They asked me how long I've been doing drugs. They asked me how long I've been doing heroin. They asked me all these other questions. I'm interviewed by detectives, specialists, all this other stuff, and I'm barely conscious. I'm fucked up. And keep in mind one hit of Narcan is supposed to bring back your average six foot, 180 pound overdose victim, in quotes. Mm hmm. But it took two and a half hits to make me conscious. Damn. And I was still fucked up. I was so messed up. I wasn't even, like, looking at anybody. I was just, like, sitting there, like, st- almost, like, stroking out. Like, like, it was bad. So they asked me how long I've been using. Now, real quick, are you, are you good to keep talking about this? Yeah, i okay. um, honestly just kind of drunk. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. So they asked me how long I've been doing this. They asked me what my situation is. My mom shows up. She doesn't know what to say. Like any parent, she's just worried about me. And then my dad shows up. Like I actually, they actually came into the doctor's office and they were like, uh, Brian Burke is here, you know, cause he's on your emergency contact. He's one of your emergency contact members. He's here. And my immediate thought was like, oh, fuck. I don't know how to respond. We good. Okay. I was like, I don't know how to respond. And my dad shows up. And my mom and dad probably did the best thing any parents could do. Which, they said nothing. They said nothing. And they just listened. You know, because they... They, my dad just sat there and he was like, I don't know why. And, uh, I remember this, like how fucked up, how fucked up I was, but I remember saying this, I said, I just feel like I deserve this. I don't know why I do this, but this is what I feel like I deserve. And instead of judging me, instead of telling me, no, you don't, instead of fighting me, they just sat there and they just took it in and, they just told me like, you don't though. And I don't know what it was, but I just said, I know, but this is the best, you know, this is what I deserve. I don't know why. And I don't know why at the time I, I and even now, like, I felt like that was the right thing to say. I don't know why I felt like I deserved to be a drug addict. Um, in someone who should be in that position. Uh, and then they um uh, so they kept me till three, like two or three in the morning because they just watched me for tests. I talked to my friend. I was allowed to see him when I could walk because I couldn't move for a long time. I was so messed up. So I was able to see my friend, and me and my friend like we hugged, and we were like, "Dude, I love you. I'm so glad you're alive too." And and then I was like, "All right, I gotta go." And I walked out of the hospital, and we pulled up at the hospital. uh, We pulled up back to my house, and I went to bed. And all night that night, I had nightmares that I was going back to the hospital. I can't tell you how vivid dreams I had. That I was going, that I was on my way back to the hospital, and first thing that happened when I woke up was like Lauren, like you know, everyone woke up and Lauren woke up and I ran up to her and I gave her a big hug and I said thank you for saving my life, and uh, shout out to my sister, who I don't give enough credit for to this day, who I w- I wouldn't be here without her, uh, yeah, but that's what happened.
0: Damn. That was an incredible narrative, dude. So
1: the first time we talked about this, um, obviously we lost the content. Now I knew we were going to talk about this again because we lost that content. I was worried we were not going to get the same emotion. I am not going to lie. I I want that made me want to cry. I I teared up. Well, don't. Dude. not not just the there's just the support you had it made me think about a bunch of things in my life, and I just, it's it, just strength, I was man. holding yeah. back tears that that honestly made me want to cry.
0: Yeah, man, everything that, that you went through, I could
1: because yeah. you I you yeah. clearly have so much support from your family, and it just it just made me think about how I take my shit for granted, and how honestly I don't. Me and my siblings, we don't show love to each other until it becomes like a very serious subject. It just made me think about like how if I was in that situation, I would probably hug my sister. I would mm-hmm. probably hug my brother, which I have never done before. We don't do that to each other. I feel that
2: man. Yeah, that's how I felt. Like you like-
1: just, you just conveyed so much emotion in that story that was not there the first time we talked about it. That I'm, I'm sitting here just like, wow. Like yeah. I just, I had to hold back my feelings.
2: Don't, dude. Don't hold back your feelings. I want to
1: cry over the mic. It's yeah. not like it made me cry, but like it made me think about things that I just wanted to tear up about.
2: It it really does. And when and, I get yeah. philo- when I get philosophical and deep about it, I'm like, I wouldn't be here without her. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I re- I remember that moment, and I gave her a big hug, and I, I remember it was kind of funny, but she didn't. She barely hugged me back, and I was like, "Thank you, I love you." And she was like, y- "You can love me back by never fucking doing that again."
0: Yeah.
2: That's what she said. She like barely hugged me back and she was like, "You want to love me back?" She was like, "Don't ever fucking do that again." And yeah. I was like, "I won't, I promise, I promise. I will not do that again." We sat in the kitchen, me, my mom, and I'll call him my step stepdad. They're not married, but Mark is like a stepdad to me. And we all sat and talked about what our next move was. And it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't, it didn't feel like my parent. It, for once it didn't feel like I was being judged um, because of my substance abuse and that everything was on the table. Everyone knew and everyone just said, what is your next move? What are we gonna do? And it, 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 you know, and that's, it, you know, reminded me of what our family always has been, with my family at least, is we're a fucking team. And, you know, it's just. The idea of what are we gonna do means so much. Not like get your shit together, or a parent belittling you, or a parent. Because that's what happens so many times when, when they're using drugs, when someone is using drugs. But it was like. It was just like we're a team and not am I the only one using drugs and am I the only one fucking up but my whole family is is here and they're all talking and we're all talking about the game plan on how to better myself and within a month I had quit my job at Harris Cedar Starbucks I quit my job I applied to the new Starbucks I got my shit together and ever since then I have been heroin free for October 20th was the date I overdosed. So October 21st is my rebirth day. But since October 21st, of 2017, I have been sober of everything except alcohol. And that's about it. Let's go, beast. Right? So,
1: I want to yes. wrap I want to wrap this episode up. Now I'm going to take it back even though you just touched on it, but I want to wrap it up. You said you talked to your family about what the next step was. What was that next step for you? And we'll wrap it up after that.
2: Next step was to, well, legally, uh, but this was before all of my legal troubles that happened seven months after I overdosed. Next step was to find a therapist, find out what is happening. My mom was like, if you can't, mom's like, I'm sorry, but I have a bias. I can't. I can't do this all the time, you know. Not like she can't be there for her son, but she's like, You need to find someone. You need to Your mom's a therapist? No, 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 no. she's Uh. not a therapist. But as in the idea of like she's my mom and she has a bias. Yes. No one wants to sit around and listen to her. No, you
1: can't talk to your family about therapy. No, you can't do that. I don't care who you are. You yeah. can't do that.
2: My first step you, was You to can make,
1: to an extent, but not to like certain issues because they're always going to have a bias. You got to talk to a third party about yeah,
2: that. shit. Yeah, that's what she said. She's like, find a therapist. After that, uh, with my legal troubles, I would legally get a psych evalu- evaluation because they think that be- since you do drugs like that, they think you're trying to kill yourself. I wasn't. I understand why the state thinks I was trying to kill myself, but I wasn't. So, But I had to get a psych evaluation. I was facing, you know, uh, jump ahead a couple months, but I was facing a pending felony. I found a therapist, which I went to for like a year and a half.
0: For um, possession of an narcotic. Uh,
2: yeah, for a possession of a Scheduled 1 substance, okay. which is a Class 5 felony okay. in the state of Virginia.
1: And you're of that now? Or uh, what?
2: Yeah, I was hit with a... Uh, they found me guilty. You don't have to talk about that. No, I can. If, if it's... Cruel. I don't want to get
1: you in legal trouble. I won't.
2: Okay. Um, no, because I'm already done with that. Okay. Um. They found me guilty, but of a misdemeanor because after about six grand later... of <laughs> uh, Six or seven thousand dollars later after... Court fees and lawyer fees. Uh, they found me guilty of a misdemeanor because I had no previous record, and if I had finished uh, one year of counseling or or like some kind of psych evaluation that I was seeking help for my substance abuse, because I realized that AA and NA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous or Narconics Anonymous, I realized that that wasn't for me, so I went to a one-on-one therapist. And then I did 100 hours of community service. So,
0: so, Sorry, just to clarify. Was that a court-sanctioned one-on-one therapist?
2: Yeah, like it was court-ordered. Okay, But at the same time, I felt like I needed therapy before because before that, I went to therapy for two years. And it kind of helped me. So So you
0: had the option, instead of going to a group session, to go with the world
2: yeah because I got I got it clarified with my lawyer and I got it clarified with the woman who performed my psych evaluation because the woman who performed my psych evaluation told me that I was too far in sobriety to do uh, what's called too far uh, in sobriety. Yeah because I was already sober for seven months until they charged me with the, with the felony but they but I was too far in sobriety to do oh, in, inpatient an inpatient is when you consistently go 3 or 4 times a week for a couple of hours for a group you know and they're like you've been sober for 7 months you don't need this so they gave me a list of therapists who specialize in addiction slash depression slash anxiety which i've been to two, which i've been to two therapists consistently for 4 years And both of them have diagnosed me with depression and anxiety and addictive personality.
0: And do they attribute that... um, Do they attribute your experience or the drug use or something prior to that? Both. It's
2: both. Um, Like, I don't wear it on my sleeve, nor do I see myself as a victim. Nor should you. I don't want to, because... So many people nowadays introduce themselves with a mental disorder, or they introduce themselves with having depression, they introduce themselves with having anxiety. I have all of those things, and along with addictive personality, and I don't like, I just don't care to share that much about it. Like everyone, in my opinion, I'm not special because I suffer from depression. Everyone has depression. Everyone has manic episodes. Everyone has anxiety. But what I like to focus on is how can I control it? How can I be, like I said earlier, how can I be better than the day before? Yes, I have depression. Yes, I suffer from severe anxiety a lot of the time. And that's also why I turn to substance abuse, like drugs and alcohol, to calm myself down. So do you think that
0: what really... I think what you needed was something to spark that flame. And do you think you found that after your overdose, the beauty in your life being your family?
2: Or did you find that spark elsewhere? Something that um, just kept you going? I always found comfort in my family. My family has always been very tight. We've always been very close. We've always been able to tell each other our problems. The reason why I didn't express is because I knew it was bad when I was doing drugs, but the reason why I feel like go, go, go all the time and always be working on something and always striving to do better and meditating and doing yoga and trying new things and not caring whether or not I'm good at it, just trying that has come since the moment that I, I I don't, I don't want to in so many words, but I, I died. And I realized after that moment, I was like, I I thought to myself, I was like, I don't want to die.
0: You certainly were in that gray area between life and death.
2: Yeah. I was like, I realized I don't want to die, you know, so I want to just try new things. I want to learn how, you know, And that's when I got like, I I get minorly obsessed. Instead, now I get obsessed with healthy things, whether it's right now where I'm working full time and going to school. And doing this podcast and wanting to make it work. And in my spare time, I'm doing yoga and meditating and learning how to cook new meals every other week. Because, like, I just, that was something I just never learned how to do before. I was just like, I, I and during my substance abuse, I just lived off of Domino's and, and uh, fucking Hot Pockets.
0: So, what if you <laughs> had discovered cooking before you had discovered heroin? Do you think that would have had any difference, or do you think that it was experiential?
2: I think both. It was experiential. But at the same time, I th- because it's not like my mom or my sister never tried. My sister was really big into cooking. My mom, was, my mom cooked every night, and she'd always be like, you want to come help me? I think I was just kind of a piece of shit 15-year-old like everyone is. Everyone's a piece of shit when they're 15. They're lazy and they <laughs> don't care. And, and your response to everything is like, no, mom, I don't care. Yeah, dude. I think that I needed to reach a point in my life where my brain is practically is, is almost fully developed. Because they say your, your brain is fully developed at 25 or however you, old you are. But this needed to happen to me. And at the same time, I don't regret my substance abuse problem because it made me who I am today. My substance abuse, while it was unhealthy and while it did a lot of damage to my brain and my body, it helped who I was as a person. It made me feel less insecure. It made me not give a shit because growing up, I'm like digressing a little bit.
0: We you aren't digressing because this is who you are. Yeah. You can't say that something, although it was, you know, it was a misfortune, you can't say that that. But ha- that was a circumstance again that's your story you can't compare that to somebody else's story exactly. and say that that shouldn't have happened Yeah, because and that's your narrative
2: yeah and you know if you've met me in the last five years I don't think anyone would have ever guessed but I used to be kind of insecure like in my inside my mind and growing up and being a teenager being five feet tall kind of fucks you up a little bit. You know, when everyone's in middle school and high school and everyone's hitting their growth spurts and everyone's like, you know, you know, talking about how tall they are and how how much they, you know, they're growing and all that other shit. It kind of gets to you when you haven't and you're like, "Oh, I'm not." <laughs> and and n- very little people picked on me, probably because I am naturally a nice person uh and I never let it get to me, but I let it get to myself. And when I started using drugs in like 10th grade, I stopped giving 100% shits. I stopped caring about the past. I stopped caring about the present. I just acted and just like sought out what happened. And that was the part of me that I found after using substances that I loved. Even now in sobriety, you know, When I get so caught up in negative emotions and I start overthinking, should I have done that? Should I have done that? Oh, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. That's when I feel my worst. When I feel my best is when I'm just going after what I want and I'm just working on things that I care about. I'm not second guessing myself. You know, I I feel like my own independent person and I'm not overthinking every little thing because I'm always busy. Yeah. That's why I fully believe in like focusing on ways to better yourself. And that's what it is. In every way. Every way. And so I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take my substance abuse back. Two okay. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, because I, I learned from it a lot. I learned a lot from being who I was and who I am now.
0: Well, and I think that You know, at the end of the day, those are the experiences that make a person. And that's the fine line between, you know, knowledge and wisdom.
2: Exactly. Um,
0: And those are things that, at the end of the day, you can look at them as something bad happened to you, or you can look at it as the growth experience. And I think you looked at it as the growth experience, and that's Mm -hmm. why you took the most that you could away from it, and that's why you're here as you are right now.
2: I try to, man. Should we do our outro now? Shador, no, I, do.
0: Well, I think I think we got it all. Let's wrap it up. Alex, thank you for sharing so much, guys. Thank you for tuning Maybe in. I want to cry. Yeah, I love you all, both of you and all of our listeners. Catch you again next time.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: This is thank been, you, Alex.
2: You are welcome. Anytime. This has been Can't Take a Joke podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts as well. Please hit us up if you like what you heard. Hit that follow button. Thanks, guys. Right back to business. <laughs>